Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian and writer, Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, BAFTA Howard winning, <laughs> Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. Pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from, Howard, how long do you think it'll be before you get bored of me saying that? Uh, probably never. Good. Given, uh, it, given it's a fucking pet game show. Thank you, right? <laughs> and once... The won it. When, I want to know when I can invest, because once I go syndicates to Japan... Someone's doing... Merchandise as we speak. Oh, the probably. manuals is coming in. Yeah. So well, I'm just not saying, for me, but I want to yeah. get in on the ground floor for syndication money. Yeah. Well, it's the next project. Our next. If one. you're going to have your own yeah. private, private uh, production company, I want in. Right. Congratulations. You heard it here again. first, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I remember sitting in Howard's house in Wood Green, <laughs> and he made me a little Holloway, 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 Holloway. Yeah. We'll just for the facts. North of the river. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> It's north of the river. Yeah. No, no offense to the North London. No, listeners. sure. Um, but I remember it, and you uh, made you made a good lasagna, and it was good because I'm lactose intolerant now, mm. and I don't recall my stomach exploding after eating that lasagna. So Neither do good. I. Yeah. So it's good. Uh, and then we also conceptualised this podcast. So a lot of history was made that day. It was a big day. So it's all coming together very nicely. Um, these are questions we ask and the kind of reflection that we do on this show, um, which I hope you enjoy, guys. Unfortunately, there is no lasagna, but food for thought. And if you like the show, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and we will keep the great guests coming. Which leads me to my introduction of our next very special guest. On today's show is a British comedian of Pakistani descent. His debut Edinburgh show catapulted his career forward, leading to his own Radio 4 show. You may recognise him from the much-loved comedy Man Like Mabee. Plus TV appearances on shows like Mock the Week, The Last Leg and Live at the BBC In 2019 he hosted his own satirical comedy show The Tez O'Clock Show on Channel 4 If you've not guessed by now, I guess you're not a Tezbian But we are here, please welcome the tremendous Tez Ilias Yeah, what an amazing introduction bro, that was very nice most welcome Do you know what, people are getting more, I'm getting better at writing these people's stories We like to exalt and we like to elevate people on this podcast People, People feel really good when they hear it I feel really good you should. I think sometimes you got to remember, we're like, you know, people sometimes got to stop to smell the roses. And Howard and I, we're like podcast florists. But don't stop too long because you might get pricked by a thorn. That's true. And that's, that's how we do it. Smell and move. Smell and move. Smell and move. Smell and move. Also, we don't, not just roses as well, like other flowers, lilies, orchids, baby's breath. Always go good with roses. Not red roses. Those are for funerals. Good point. So, and I mean, I'm going to work on the analogies so far as like people that I can match all those things to. But I was just, we'll focus on the florist thing now. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of uh, roses, isn't that Blackburn like? Yeah, Lancashire, Lancashire red rose. That there is, you that go. Is, and, and Blackburn Rovers have that, and as does my um, political affiliations. There you so, go. Yeah, the roses. You see, you see, you see the turbulence test. There was turbulence, and I landed that plane so well. Very nicely done. There you go. They underestimate me, Tez. Everyone was like, "Where's he going with this?" I've forgotten about the turbulence. You see, we're all smooth landing. Where was he going with this? And then, then you're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, the red rose of Lancashire." There you go, man. What's happening up in Lancashire, Tez? How's life? 
Good. It's nice, man. I, I moved because um, people still think I live in London, but no, I moved back three years ago, and it's been fun. Like I bought a car, which means I can travel around in relative comfort. It's nice car. I've been inside. Very clean. I'm Thank big you. on on cleanliness in yeah, cars. Yeah, you have to be, man. I like it because you 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 used to watch Pinch My Ride, right? But I've been in cars in it on 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 car shares, and you're like a comedian's cars. Why do you live in this? Do you know what I mean? And even if you lived in it, it's like. You you would have mice in this house and rats. And also, if you if your house is a bit untidy and you're getting guests around, you'd clean it. You'd clean before it. your guests come, right? You would, you would. And also, unless you want unwanted guests, like you know, parasites or or vermin. Mm. Some people's cars are disgusting. Yours is not one of them. I very, very much enjoy much. it. And yeah, it's just, it's just nice being at home because I get to watch my nieces and nephews grow up and grow up fast they do. So Tez, how's it going? I'm good, man. Um, yeah, things, things are good. I'm, I feel quite tired, but other than that, but that seems like a permanent state of affairs. Yeah, I feel like tired is better than being... Uh, Tired from work is better than being tired of like trying to find it. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, you, you, you do all that effort and work to be this tired and then when you get this tired, you're like... Uh, Basically, it's tired. bad. Do you do you find that like you uh, mess up social obligations from fatigue <laughs> all the time? I do all the time. All the well, time. It, when you're in them, or when you're I'm both. Saying, both. <laughs> I, I think I've, I've just don't turn up. Three people this year have told me to go fuck myself because I'm like <laughs> <laughs> uh, only three. I stand out. No, but as in like <laughs> three that you cared about. There's something. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 I didn't care Both. about. But it's like there's ideological differences, right? But this is just literally people being like, "Are you coming to see me?" And I'd be like, "I would love to." And I finish gigging or doing gigs, and or a few days of gigs, or come back from another country, and I'm just knackered. And I'm like, "Look, I know I said I come tonight, but I'm tired." And they'd be like, "Ah, fuck you!" Oh, it's like it's not, it's not not one and two. It's just literally from yeah, fatigue, yeah, or, yeah, or, or yeah, like yeah. if you just run down and just get sick. So, so Tez, Tez has a gig uh, this evening, so exactly. we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kick on with some questions because we want to make you, sure. Before Tez can tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which could still Thanks, happen. That was my happen. question. Um, <laughs> when are you going to go fuck <laughs> It happens. Um, question? So yeah. yes, Tez, uh, as uh, you were, this is just a formality, but I know you're very savvy with this. So uh, as our very esteemed guest, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you for having me. The way our show works is that uh, we will invite our esteemed guest to ask a question any question they would like, which we would discuss for about 15 minutes and some change, give or take. And then the his or here will ask another question, which we will also discuss. Mm. I'll uh, have the final question. And uh, yeah, and then you go and smash your gig. Inshallah. And I have some water. So, perfect. You know, we all have dreams. Yeah, we've all got <laughs> stuff going on. With this in mind, uh, Tez, we welcome you to ask the first question. Um, my question, Dane, yeah. and also in brackets, Howard, mm. is. What do you think is the future of the diaspora? And by diaspora, I mean all of us in the UK and wider the West. Oh. So, I mean, what's the future of Afro Caribbean, from, from Africa, from African Caribbean countries, and uh, from Asia as well? Mm. Mm. Uh, I would say the. Uh, Given the state of where the country is right now, where it might be. On Friday, um, I think that uh, th- depending on how uh, the election goes at the time of writing, I feel like if there is a uh, just keep things quite broad because we don't know what's going to happen mm. in the election. I feel like if there is an uh, an election result which allows for the continuation of a lot of things we're seeing so far as like the Windrush scandal and uh, certain uh, lamentations that come from the Prime Minister about like you know the diaspora, then I could see some very restrictive or oppressive legislation or attempts for this legislation to come through 
Um, but I really think in these instances, this is normally results in a galvanization of these communities and uh, an opposition. So I think that uh, if uh, the diaspora, whether it's from the subcontinent or from uh, Southeast Asia or uh, from Africa, the Caribbean, I feel like if people uh, reach a level of political awareness where they scrutinize uh, their uh, politicians and the uh, structures within society that they have to thrive within a lot more, I feel like there is, a positive, there is the potential for the diaspora to become a lot more politically astute and empowered, which can only be a good thing. Mm. So that's me erring on the side of optimism. I was going to say, it's definitely an optimistic take, which yeah. is, is good. I, did, I, did, I was looking at some things today in the news. Uh, this is kind of late December, well, mid-December we're recording this. Just the amount of racism at football... Uh, well, yeah, and what's interesting? In, what's in, well, I think what's interesting about it is it's not that it's come back; it's just that it's being reported. Yeah, okay. it's just for the first also time recorded. Because remember but, now, yeah, you sorry, can recorded see, and reported. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recorded, recorded, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been abused racially twice at football games in that, recent that, years that, or I've, that I've heard of. Not in not 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 so recently, but one was in two thousand and two. Yeah, uh, it was a League Cup final against Spurs. And I was walking past and someone said, oh, look, Bin Laden's here. And then the other one was in 2009, right. I want to say. And I was with my little brother at the football game and there's a people a few rows ahead of us and just turned around and said, oh, look, they, bad word, mm. are here. Hmm. And my, my brothers are like five, they were like five and six. Fucking so I, I didn't want to start a, a thing with no. them there. Yeah. It's so... It was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It's so noticeable that it's, Back on the rise, and hearing Dane talk there, you know, is an optimistic approach. You know, I respect that. I think that, that I'm going to make a call, yeah, and say, uh, and, and this might disappoint Mr. Tez, my, my my prediction that there will be a, a, a something very close to a Tory majority mm. in the election at the end of uh, 2019, which will help facilitate the widening of the kind of public conscience, which I think is definitely on one side and on another side and that will keep justifying this behavior that i think is alienating many different groups i think many different groups feel alienated from what is this old school british voice which they often will impersonate and, yeah, yeah. and but, rightly mock but at the same time though like me impersonating it I, I even i may have been a part of making a mistake where there has to be a distinction between what is racial rhetoric and what is actual racism, so far mm. as like uh, structurally and institutionally. So like, even though you go to football match and everyone's like, why don't you go back to where you come from? Oh, P word, what are you doing here? And that is, you know, a part of, I guess, with the predominantly working class uh, patrons of football and just members of society in general, it's more about this overt racism and using slurs. But I hasten to remind people all the time is that when these uh, points are brought to like someone like Seb Blatter, who was the head of FIFA at the time, his response was that can be solved with a handshake. Yeah. So that's to give you the idea. Or, or in examples of like... Just where, what's going um, on in Italy at the moment. Italy, it's interesting, I don't because Tez is quite a football fan, and, and it's interesting to see how much British people are caring about the racism in Italy now that players who used to play in Britain are out there. So Romelu Lukaku, who just for the record, I've, I'm an Arsenal fan, I've got no allegiance to him, but he's one of the most fucking phenomenal footballers of the last five years. Goal, ah! his, goal, his goal record is outrageous. He's the top scorer in the history of Belgium. Foot, his, uh, national his, team. His, his goal ratio to first touch is 
Phenomenal. <laughs> like the quality yeah. of his first touch to the amount of goals he sure? scores is but outstanding. Hey, no one's a perfect, very few perfect footballers. For what he does, what he's done, and how hard he's worked, he's a fucking phenomenal footballer. No, no, he is. He's a phenom. And and we're interested in him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna get those stats up. I'm gonna do it. Just, I'm gonna get those stats are insane. No, I like, I like, fans about to I like civil beef. No, I like I like I like Lukaku, but uh, yeah. Everton, West Brom. I think maybe at a club United. level, maybe not the best, but like yeah, he's but yeah, Everton and West Chelsea. Brom is amazing. Now Inter, he's listen. The guy I mean, Chelsea. He should be Inter. I mean, it could be worse. It could be at Ben. It could have been Benteke. So <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Anyway, but we're now more interested in England because we all look at Lukaku, someone that we know well, getting racially abused. That's what I mean. We look yeah, over yeah, there yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, now yeah, we're yeah, more yeah. interested in it. Yeah, it was interesting to me how much um, coverage the Bulgarian racism chance that the England team got, which obviously horrific. But it kind of, it, I was looking at that thinking, do people who are talking about this and outrage at this think it's perfect here? Because mm. some of it seemed like that's what they were thinking. That the, the way they looked down on Bulgaria, which, I mean, in that incident, they were right to do so. But it was like, guys, we haven't fixed this here, you know. And, and yeah, it might be that if someone calls me the P word now and, and people hear it, they'd be more uh, likely to speak out against it. And even that person might even get uh, prosecuted. That's true. But also, it's also true that there is massive rates of Islamophobia in this country. Um, black and Asian people are more likely to go to jail for longer for the same crime that a white person commits. Um, a person with a Muslim name is less likely to be successful uh, in a job application than someone with an Anglo-Saxon name. These things still exist. And if anything, those are probably worse. I, I would rather fix those things. If I could fix one, I'd rather fix the structural things and have a bit of banter on the terraces than fix the banter on the terraces and, and, yeah. and have the structural well, one, things but, but they both, they both They both feed into each other. Yeah. So I feel like, so, that, so when people talk about like racism in football racism in football is not the issue it's it's just you know people that have have racial rhetoric who feel that they can say stuff like that in football mm. and try to justify it and uh when we talk about like bulgaria and italy for example i feel like people really play down the fact that a lot of eastern european uh ultras and this culture hooligan culture that we see in eastern europe or in like italy comes from here mm. comes from the uk and we fail to acknowledge i remember so when i was a kid i went like my, my dad's from the caribbean right so we're not even that big on football. Like my dad played cricket at like a county level, so he played to quite a high level before being injured. So he watches football, he's interested, but he's never been... We, I've never been on the terraces with my dad. Like It was never everything we did. But I do remember watching The Cook Report, which was a show that used to come on like Carlton years mm. and years ago. Where L- he did... LWT. Yeah, an LWT, yeah. And he, and he did... Good an investi- it was for me. He did it, exactly. He did an investigation into hooliganism and how they use football hooligans to recruit for white supremacist groups. So one group was called... Uh, See combat 18 mm. and uh, the 18 the 1 is for A and then the 8 is for H the 8th letter of the alphabet and AH is obviously the uh, initials of Adolf Hitler yeah 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 and they yeah, used to yeah. recruit uh, racists for hooli- from hooligans uh, from like Chelsea and, and from West Ham uh, from Millwall and um hmm. Yeah, and, and then there's a film cast about one of the first black hooligans yeah, yeah. as well, which talks about the racism there as well. And it's been an insidious, serious problem whereby, like, these country, these these uh, groups, not only liaising with, like, football teams and recruiting hooligans, these guys used to, like, get weapons from, like, you know, loyalist paramilitaries in Northern Ireland, you know, and mm. distribute this amongst... Mad. Like, when I was growing up in school, like, one of the urban myths we used to hear about was a Chelsea smile. Mm. Yes. Where, like, remember that well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like this is this is how bad it's been. So for me, I feel like the annexation of football for a very long time by the middle class had us all believing that the aesthetic and the culture had changed. Um and that was mainly due to the fact that a certain class of people could now were now interested in football or see how or saw how lucrative it was as a market. And uh I guess now that veil has been removed. I, we're just seeing the problems that we, you know, didn't think we'd see but, before. But you look time. at the English Defence League, who are obviously a more recent, like they're a, they're a, you know, 
a nephew of Combat 18, I guess. Pretty much. They they started off with Luton Football Hooligans, Tony mm-hmm. Robinson and them, man. And even now, like the, re- the most recent incarnation of that is literally called Football Lads Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like now they're not even hiding that is, that is association with football. But and, to- and the irony of all of it for me is that like, it's, and this is what I mean, so going back to what seemed like a very optimistic point and how bad things could be is that I feel like things... I'm not saying that things will be okay necessarily, but I think a big part of the combating this resurgence in racism is for members of the diaspora to realise their power. And I always mm. get met by resistance by this, but I'm like, if everyone walks off, things will change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is the thing, like, sport has always had this element of segregation to it for years. Like, you consider, like, you know, your Jackie Robinsons or kind of like, you know, your Luther Blissets and the list goes on and on. And a lot of the time, like... I mean, for me, it's crazy that we even consider like any sporting achievements that happened before sports were desegregated anyway. But I feel like we underestimate the level of influence we have in something like uh, sport. Mm. So far as like uh, the aesthetic of sport, uh, you know, the workforce. I mean, mm. the representation in this country versus against football has been massive. And I really feel like if every black player in this country decided until this, something's done, not playing for England, not playing for no clubs. And like, if you're in the Prem, like I understand maybe a few leagues below, but if you're, but by holographic effect, I'm sure that will travel. But if you're at the Prem mm. and you stop playing, I'm sure you could probably manage it for one weekend. For yeah, one weekend. One weekend the loss of like, the effect that would have on TV rights and image rights and mm. just workforce, goal scoring bonuses, like just, they would, have, they would have no choice but to pay attention. You know, it was mad. You know what the report is? You might actually believe this actually, but the report is, you know that guy who abused Fred and, um, was it Rashford over the weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Man City game. But it turns out he was a, he, he, he was a ex-army who used to serve in Northern Ireland. Huh. What'd I say? But going back to where you began this question, what do you think? So this is the thing, right? I used to be a super optimistic kid. Like I was, I've always supported England in football, uh, obviously cricket, Pakistan, but in football, I've always supported England. Um, and all my mates around me growing up always supported like France or Italy or right. Brazil. And I could never understand it because I'm like... Yeah, and, that was, and it's always a thing, yeah, that's, so that's exactly how I grew up. Yeah. And, and, anybody, anybody but England. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I didn't understand it because I was like, but half of you support United and half the United teams and England teams. So I don't understand why you don't, why you're not supporting those lads. Um, and, I, and I remember talking to my uncle once and he was talking, and I was asking him why he invests a lot, why he sends a lot of his money uh, back to Pakistan and he builds lands there and, and, and has a quite a big house there and stuff. And he said, well, you know, one day we might need to leave this country uh, and so I'll have somewhere to go. And I just thought it was so silly. I remember thinking that they can't, like legally, they're not allowed to kick us out like by law with British citizens so that it's literally impossible what you're saying. He went, no, no, legally they might not, but but one day we might not want to be here. Wow. Yeah. And now, I never understood that at the time, but over the last five years, really, really, I'm really it's so to weird. I feel that. like it's me as well, you know, like even my experiences in comedy, like I'd, I've, I've never been like someone that has to make a proactive effort to integrate or mix with people. I've never really been that person mm. because, and not, and not because it's like, I consider it to be a, a bad thing, but I've always kind of been like, you know, just a law of attraction, meet the people you're supposed to meet. Yeah, yeah, but my yeah. experiences in comedy over the last four years, I really feel like the more time I can spend around my own kind and people that share the same moral and cultural disposition as myself, mm. the better. Like that, that's, that's been like when I'm, and so, so far as like the whole thing you said about like not supporting England, not supporting England and stuff like that. Like if you look at England's progress in the last World Cup, it's probably 
aesthetically probably one of its most diverse lineups yeah, they've exactly. had in years. But you look at the France team that won the World Cup in '98 and the World Cup last yeah, year. Last year, those are the most diverse teams I've ever been assembled in the history of and, and any, any sport. Yep. And who won the year before? Right, was uh, Brazil. Br- Brazil. Uh, yeah. Um, Germany. Yeah, Germany. Yeah. And then you see, four years later, the when they started taking the Turkish, they took out Leroy Sane. And they took out um, Ozil, Ozil. and Ozil re- retired in protest. Yeah, yeah, and look yeah, how badly yeah, they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. look at in England yeah, is still yeah. not working this stuff out. But this is the thing about sport, though, that concerns me because because France had uh, France won the World Cup for the first time ever in '98, and they went in 2001. Yeah, and then they won the Euros in 2000. Yeah. So they won back to back championships, which I think they'd already won the Euros once before that, and then they won yeah. the World Cup Euros back to back, and then. They voted their version of the BNP, the national front national. national. So no, in two thousand and one, that's their equivalent of the national front. It's, it's not even BNP, front, right? Yeah, it's not even BNP. And then in two thousand and one, they became the second biggest party in France. And I'm like, so no matter, and and they still, and, and obviously they won the World Cup last year. And national uh, front national is still the second biggest party in France now. And I'm like, so it seems like sporting prowess and 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 us achieving sporting um, success and dignity doesn't translate into people treating us as human beings. Well, and, and as a reason for that, there is a real, I guess there is a heritage whereby, you know, I mean, I can speak... I always I, say I, fuck I, France, though. I do well, always yeah. say that. I, mean, just, huh? <laughs> I do always say fuck France. Yeah, fuck them. But there is... Um, I mean, I'm a Baptiste, so I can say that. But, um, <laughs> but I've got to ask a question to you guys, which is... It, it, the, the kind of references that we've had in this conversation where you, you know, talking about people at football matches, comedy clubs, you know, the experiences of... This industry in general. Maybe, yeah. not, maybe not comedy clubs. I feel, I feel like the camaraderie I've had in comedy clubs has been fine. It's been my interaction. Audiences are good. Yeah, mm. audiences are okay, audiences been good. industry and, uh, people prejudices. Good, I just mean industry prejudices so, and so just my, the my, conduct of people. Just, ugh. But look at the way the media reports on ethnic minorities. Yeah. Look at the way politicians have legislated against ethnic minorities over the last well, 20 years. This was going to be my question, kind of off the back of what you're, asking, you're talking about, which is, 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 is what is the role here of the media compared to the role of the actual mind of the person who is... Be- prejudice is that person influenced to become prejudice? Gro- I feel like they're being groomed. Oh, mas- can I just answer this question? Please, yeah? yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, right, Sinbad the sailor was a big thing, yeah, and mm. he was known as being a Moorish sailor, Muslim number mm. one. Mm. Aladdin was a big thing, quasi Islamic setting for a romance story. Yeah, no one said a word. Michael Douglas in the War of the Roses trilogy with Kathleen Turner mm. starred in Jewel of the Nile, and then it was. Uh, Oh, which one was it? Is, um, it, is it Jonathan now? Yeah, the, the Robin Hood as well, Prince of Thieves, when you had... Um, Prince of Thieves with Morgan Freeman Morgan playing them all there, yeah. Playing, playing this is, not, this is not to mention, like, when they had Corner Shop and Brimful of Asher, and then you had, like... Um, mm. What about the... the, the oh, oh and, and but most of all, most of all, <laughs> the fact that it was declared in all tabloids, the national dish of this country is curry. Mm. Yeah? Everyone accepted that with no question and no opposition... Up until 2001. Hmm. It wasn't even... Uh, even after 2001, it was kind of... And then 2005 changed everything. 2001 to 2005 was this weird period where we're going, well, you know, America does have this imperialist... Well, 2001 and... to 2003 was like Arab, anti-Arab sentiment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah. Then, 2005, and then 2005... onwards, it became... Yeah. All of them. Then it's all Muslims. And, 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 and you know, how can I put this? Not to say I told you so, but it's like... You have, the mentality of these people is this, right? I see it as this. It's like, Africa is the most resource-rich place on the planet. But we need to dehumanize these people in order to justify plundering it for resources. So what is the unifying? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Aspects of the people that are the indigenous of Africa that we can use to dehumanize as a whole. Uh, they're all kind of dark oh so they're quite black right okay cool so we'll demonize them in every single form of like literature and media and so we associate black with bad stuff like the devil's black and black magic and you got a black heart if you're a bad person Mm. and uh, I think it's the same thing where America realizes that resources in the Middle East and region are dwindling and they're like we need to appropriate what's left and make sure that we control that what is the unifying uh, characteristic of people that are uh, native to this region they're Muslims. Mm. I mean, there's 300,000 Christians in Iraq alone. You shut the fuck up and get out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, it's, there was never an issue. I mean, it can't be the ideology because Saudi Arabia is one of the uh, biggest uh, purchasers of torture implements. Also, Christianity is a Middle Eastern religion, so well, there you go. So it's a desert religion. I mean, they're so, I mean, Judaism, if you just look at theology, they're so close. There's, I mean, Ibrahim is Abraham, right? Yeah. Yeshua is Jesus. Mm. Well, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, uh, but the, you know, there are no American Anglo-Saxon Protestants mentioned in the Bible, but there are Muslims and Moors mentioned in it. But so. what's interesting, going back to the media element, is uh, I don't know what age you clocked the publications like The Sun full of shit I don't know what age you were when yeah, you realised that not allowed, it's ever, not allowed in my homes yeah I don't think we ever took it seriously yeah yeah if you, if you well, bring the sun in, the, fact, the fact that I, there was I, I mean, as, on, as, a, as a child like it kind of like do you mean as in not seriously or more as in it's dangerous well I just feel I mean it's like I can talk about a, a being an East London boy you know growing up reading like I remember we used to get the mirror on Sunday or like, wherever we'd get and I'd look at it and, and you think this is the news right like this is the this is the news mm. so there wasn't a question of opinion in my head and then, obviously, as I grew up as a teenage years, I became aware that this is a highly subjective version of what's happening in the world and rejected it. So the idea of me picking up, the, buying the sun and reading it mm. is completely like beyond any realms of my life it, right now. For, for, but yeah, what my point is and why it's so relevant to what you're talking about with your question, Tess, is, is, is I don't think most of the country looks at things that way. I don't think they've got the ability to necessarily review what's going in their minds through these. Oh, no, no, they, they have the ability, but you have to understand is that I'm not sh- sure they do. They definitely, everyone does, if you, because everybody will be able. If when people want to reinforce their own truths, they can find what they need to do in order to do that. But what you have is that in the West, especially, people have the privilege of obliviousness or dissonance, whereby you don't have to do investigations because a lot of the issues that people who may be members of the proletariat or working class or of you know. Asian or African extraction have to deal with that's never going to be in your doorstep and also mm. we really forget the landscape of Britain racially like outside of major cities there are not enormous amounts of people there so a lot of people completely subsist on whatever they see mm. in the media and if 
the media's outlook suits their narrative, then people will believe it because it's just easy to believe. Like, as Ted said, from 14 years ago, no one had any problem with Muslims in this country the way they did. Mm. No one, I used to, I, know, I went to university in Bradford for three years, right? This is Bradford, which is also referred to affectionately as Bradistan, okay? I've seen cars driving and everyone in them is wearing a hijab mm. or everyone is wearing like um, niqab and like, no one questioned it. No one was felt scared. Yeah, yeah, no one yeah, had a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There weren't like empty curry houses. There weren't all these actions of hate crime and stuff. Working class white people and working class Pakistanis were able to coexist. And in Bradford, you had parts of Bradford whereby people would happily be able to speak Urdu for their entire lives. And maybe there wasn't a certain level of integration, which is a weird... For me, even the integration question is a weird one anyway. Because that, for me, doesn't exist to me because that's not something anyone says about China. Sure. But the integration thing is weird to me because I'm like, the reason why you have so-called hoods or whatever you want to call them, oh, yeah, communities, unclosed communities, yeah, 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 oh, them, yeah. Yeah, is because someone would go in and then the white people would move out. Like white, white, flight, white, flight, white yeah. flight is a phenomenon. It's yeah. a, a well-documented phenomenon. As, as and was. So, mm. And then the only people that would buy the house would be other Asian people or, or black people or whatever. Or pee bashing was another thing you did. Yes, so it was like, if exactly. I lived in your area, I'm going to get attacked. Yeah, so exactly. that's why I'm not there. So it's just... Um, but I, So I feel like... To answer the question, I don't think there's like a crazy new surge of fascism, racism or prejudice. It's just this has happened before. Mm. And uh, between then and now, we just in, we experience a up an economic upturn or a time of economic prosperity. And with uh, the whole Blairites, labor mm. and deregulation, when you can afford to employ immigrants, you don't really mind them that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as you competing with them for jobs then it becomes a problem. So mm. I feel like this is this really is, and this is the thing about capitalism, is that it was founded on exploitation. And at the time, that labour force was chattel, and that was have been West African human beings, right? Now you're experiencing one of the biggest recessions and arguably depression now, mm. even though that's obscured from our eyes. Mm. But what normally happens is once people's pockets get lighter, so do the shade of their enemies. And so all that's happened is that it's gone from, all right, so these blacks are somewhat integrated, but obviously Amber Rudd and her horde were able to try and, you know, use that. And despite the fact that they've had a lot of people to pay international insurance funds and taxes, you had the nerve to try and deport them. Mm. That didn't necessarily work because people now, I guess, to an extent, first generation Caribbeans are such a part of society. People noticed when they started getting kicked out. Didn't work. So then now, because for me, this is all related to austerity. And whatever it takes, I feel like as a society, when you say that people really care, they don't really care, I don't think, how because for people to confront the severity of the situation, mm. it's more than people can bear. And I feel mm. like this is just, is we are just seeing a cycle. And in the same way you have economic cycles or you have crests and troughs economically, I think this is what we're having socially as well. So where the recession came in 2008, then we're having a moral yeah, recession yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rather than people have take uh, political and economic responsibility because they've been, I guess, deprived of that, they've become somewhat uh, uh, impotent and so they've not had to fight for their rights for a long time. So rather than fighting for your rights, people are fighting for their whites. And it's like, well, we deserve this. We're entitled to this from this nanny state. We are the real children of the nanny state. Give to us first. Why are they in the queue? Mm -hmm. So the handouts have become somewhat reduced. And I just feel mm -hmm. people are like... So I feel like uh, the future for us is that we uh, need to take uh, our power, our own power, politically and economically, and I think by doing that, we will be able to uh, combat this resurgence in uh, in hate. Inshallah. How would you a Jew? What's going on? Yeah, you know, we're all right. 
Not everyone thinks that though. <laughs> I've been, re- I've, been doing, I've been doing some reading. Some we've, been here, we've been here a long some time. Some scared though. We've been here a long time, so we're kind of we're, kind of, we're, we're kind of under the hate radar generally in terms of getting it shouted at us in no, the street. In, Howard. in the street. No, Howard. In the street, we've we, no, no Howard. A lot of juice. A lot of juice seems quite scared. Given uh, yeah, yeah. The the, 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 the the Twitter phenomenon is a different thing, but um, but the uh, thing you're talking about football matches is long. I mean, maybe past. here, but like. Those blood and sword chants that we saw at Charlotte in Charlottesville, yeah, yeah. And tiki torches. Oh yeah. So for me, that's like America's a different game. America's I mean, but the, the level of influence they are having on the UK, they're making this into this Orwellian airstrip one mm. by the day. And you have to remember, rhetoric now does not require you to be present in order for you mm. to incite an uh, incite mm. or a rabble rouse. People can continue to suggest. Mm. From without leaving their house, and that's what I'm concerned with. So while I'd say you know, so far as on the league table of oppression, like I guess mm. I tell you what the, the, the bottom line, of the, bottom line for all for me is, where I'm a Jew, more about being a human, and just seeing a lack of progression mm. in the way people's minds are working. Because we know aggression, hasn't there? It's a, it's a it's great not, aggression I, I, has been replaced by aggression. It's somewhat. It? It's a. It's a. It's a. I don't know if it's aggression. I think it's more of a uh, where it's a. Uh, what I'm looking for it's an impasse but because the fact that people are too scared for that progression they are regressing mm. so we've mm. had you having this ubiquitous global yearning for nostalgia and mm. for but we, I feel like the post-war ideologies and structures that we created to avoid that level of bloodshed and conflict mm. whether it's consumerism and stuff like that we're now at the apex point of those. Yeah, yeah, we could, yeah. Like capitalism and uh, conservatism, liberalism, how they exist in their current incarnations, I believe we've gone as far as we can. And now it's time for us to evolve socially and economically and structurally because we can't go no further. That's, that's a chance in this election, isn't it? But we'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. My question is, Tez, will you come back on this show again so we, I can ask you a question? Because <laughs> we're going to run out of time, sadly. Yeah, oh, that's man. the question, man. I, I, no, no, no. Because I'm, I'm going to say this because this could be like a teaser okay. to have you back on the show. Lionel Messi is my answer. <laughs> 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 Basically, given, given that my question was, how do we solve the Israel-Palestine conflict? That's a Perfect answer. Lionel Messi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good answer. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, Lionel, if you're listening, do you mind just... No, no. Well, look, we'll, we'll, I want you back on the show because we're not going to have the time to go okay, into Okay, I've got, I've got an answer. But, but we're not going to have the time okay, to go into cool. it. And I, I was, I was, I think I said to Dane, as a, uh, uh, you know, I, I love you, Anne, and as a, uh, as a Muslim and a Jew, to sit here and cohesively discuss yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. both have knowledge bases. Dane's got... We can talk about it. I want to do that properly. So I'm, okay. I'm gonna, my question is, Tez, come back on the show because I want to talk to you about that and other okay, things. Okay, cool. Dane, over to you for your question because... Uh, I mean, I feel like I, you could just ask me to ask the question for you. I uh, know, because I really like your have, question. But I, I, feel like your perspe- I think your perspective is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Is I want to do that properly because we should be respectful of the subject matter, whereas I think the question you had, we can do in the time we have left. Cool. Well, um, yeah, my question is... Uh, is related to, uh, I like the uh, very deft way you use your name for some very uh, slick puns. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're not aware, Tez uh, has a fan base who affectionately call themselves Tezbians. Um, one of Tez's aliases, as he is a welcome and regular guest, and also, um, yeah, founding member of the Quotas Full Gang um, as um, the Tezerist, <laughs> which uh, is very on the nose. I like it. It's very much on the line. Um that being in mind, mm. uh, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, and you mentioned 2005 being a real standout year, uh, which I guess can help influence this question. So I want to say this is a two-parted question, which, but they're both linked. What significant event do you think happened in 2005 that changed the uh, 
the uh, perception of Muslims in the UK and maybe in the West in general. And the second question is, what do you define as terrorism? Not terrorism, but, you know, but there has been a time, I think for a very long time, where we very easily now have it's almost accepted the narrative that terrorism is synonymous with mm. Islam. Mm. But more learned people will know that, like, this goes way back. There's, the yeah, reason why yeah. there aren't bins in Liverpool Street is not because of Islamic terrorism. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So what? In, but I feel like warfare and the, the uh, theatre of war has changed as well over the years. Uh, so they say that uh, war is a rich man's terrorism and terrorism is a poor man's war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you define as terrorism today? I think for me, terrorism is any point at which you... For, for for political reasons, kill a civilian, mm. and a civilian I will I would define as anyone not employed in the military or in the security services. Mm-hmm. So I would say any deliberate harm to people not employed in those fields for political aims I would say is terrorism. And but so far, okay. So so far as like uh, a civilian. Let's say, and this is like a very extreme example. So look, so look at something as a, as a party like Nazism, for example, mm. right? So somebody who may support that party, who may not necessarily be a member of like the SS, would that yeah. person be considered civilian? If, if that ideology that they follow, for example, supports like, you know, the extermination of a particular ethnic group. Yeah, or, I guess I wouldn't, would I? That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying what do you define as a civilian? Saying, for example... I think there's a combatants bill that was drafted during the Obama administration yes. where in their drone strikes in the Far East, in like Pakistan. in Pakistan, it's if a kid is of fighting age. Yeah, anyone of fighting age. Anyone of fighting age is, is a combatant. Yeah, so basically anyone 12 plus, I think, was a combatant. And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, and also when you look at the, I mean, the, your definition, I was listening to it thinking perfectly succinct idea. But then you should be allowed to punch Nazis though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you should be able to punch Nazis. And if I punch Nazis, I'm only following orders. But it's from God. <laughs> and, and you should be able to milkshake dodgy politicians. You should be able to milkshake them. But speaking of, yeah, that's just that's just dairy terrorism, which is yeah. not as big a deal. Dairyism. <laughs> dairyism. But, but the, the thing in America... The people, listeners from dairy. <laughs> but the, the thing in America <laughs> is it, it, the, terrorism in America is where I think that phrase is so fucked <laughs> ultimately because people people who are getting up as one people of a men I'm just going to say man one man units to just tear down a group of people kind of indiscriminately at times mm. is they they have no real allegiances to anyone other than hate like just the absolute hatred so it isn't really a political thing I guess well it's, I guess it's such a vague thing isn't it I think, politics I think, in that way but, but are you talking about the um Mass shooters carried out by yeah, I mean, young you can, white men. Yeah, I mean, you, obviously there's a few different kinds. But I think that, that is happen. terrorism because they, they have a political agenda. Yeah, it just is an allegiance to any kind of really... There's not like, you know, certain sure. types of political, whether they're extreme establishments, you would argue have, you know, a, a, something behind it that is, you know, these are often just completely, I just hate all these types of people and that's my politics. Which isn't really politics, is it? I mean, it's, um, it, I mean if, <laughs> everything, be, I if, if everything is political, then I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you think, then? I think that... Uh, What's I mean, terrorism? What, how do you define well, it? Well, I think terrorism, is like you said, I think it's, it's trying to uh, intimidate innocent civilians 
Uh, yeah, with, I don't with, see people with, 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 with oh, 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 I mean, yeah, oh, oh, civilian. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So then, so like, the I think, I think, I think. So, well, this is the thing. What do you define as terrorism? Because you could argue that somebody who, like, if you live in a country whereby you ain't, you're not necessarily allowed to leave the country without certain levels of uh, legislation or, or kind of administration, but then you are forced to, uh, you know, stand under those particular laws. Then to me that's a form of terrorism. Mm. So I think I, so for me terrorism, I guess, would be any group which deprives uh, another group of their human right, human or civil rights, for a political agenda or an ideological agenda. I would define that as terrorism. Yeah, but quite often in which is why I find Hollywood so interesting is because if you watch if you watch Hollywood and every film where a rebel group who are often the good guys mm-hmm. fight back against the state. Mm-hmm. They call rebels and they're the heroes. Look at Star Wars, look yeah. at Hunger Games. Yeah. But if you look at the definition that we have today in the West, all of those groups are terrorists. There mm. you go. Everyone in Star Wars, all the rebels are terrorists. Everyone in Hunger Games is a terrorist. And then, and then in so many films, the... Jesus is a terrorist, arguably, Jesus, because yeah. Pontius Pilate was the uh, judge in the Roman yeah. Empire and mm. they decided he was like a heretic and stuff. So, mm. you know... Well, then, and then there's such a kind of, like, when there is a terrorist theme to a film, it's so poorly <laughs> executed. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. watching two, I watched two films again recently, True Lies, mm-hmm. which has the most generic Islamic, you know, Middle Eastern theme. Oh, in 1994? Yeah. We are Crimson Jihad. Progressive. It's like, it's like yeah, and it was called Crimson Jihad. But then on the... Oh, <laughs> that was the name of the group. <laughs> Basically, Crimson for the blood and then Jihad for the war. <laughs> and I remember, so I remember looking up on dial-up internet uh, that um, what, what Yalla meant, because that, that's the one line that most of the actors in that film had. Oh, really? It was, yalla, yalla, yalla. It, was that, it was that clumsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's that Amazing. clumsy. Which means, come on, right? But remember, remember, remember th- Rebel 3, though? I tell this to everybody, Tez. I say this to everyone. People... <laughs> <laughs> Al Qaeda was the, formerly the Mujahideen was a yeah. database, which is what Al Qaeda means, right? Mm. It's a database of <laughs> of uh, rebels from the Afghan region helping Americans to fight against the, the Soviet Soviets. invasion yeah, of Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. And there is the scene no where they're sitting around no. a campfire, and the guy says to Rambo, "We are going to fight against these Soviets. Our children fight as well." And if they have to be child soldiers to save their life and our way of life, that's fine. And you know what Rambo said? Yeah, I agree. Because <laughs> it's Sylvester Stallone. Well, I mean, just two things. One, that Charlie's War, Charlie, Charlie's War is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's Tom Hanks' film. Oh, yeah. I heard that, that one. Yeah. Third, so he plays the CIA guy who's their intermediary. Right. Oh yes, I heard. I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. That third Rambo film does not get the shit it should. The first Rambo film does not get the respect it deserves. The first Rambo film is phenomenal. Thank you, thank you. It's really good. People, genuinely listeners, you all need to go and Rumble watch First Blood that. is an amazing First Blood is just called First Blood. You know, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know First Blood is what um, Metal Gear Solid is based on? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how influential it was. It's such a good Have film. you seen Last Blood? I'm not, I haven't watched anything past mm. three. I feel like I don't want to. Yeah, Rambo 4 is basically like, someone was like, basically, let's just get the leftovers from a butcher shop, yeah? <laughs> and, then throw, <laughs> and then throw grenades at it. Like, it's just basically like, this gratuitous gore porn. Going back well, to I do like Expendables. Sorry, this is a yeah, massive yeah. tangent. Expendables, just, it's a vanity but project. Then, but it? that's another example. But of it's fun t- though. Potential, those are like imperialist terrorists. 
Yeah, go into yeah. a country and interfering with their politics without having any reason to but do the, so. The, the, the film that I was going to reference is a kind of uh, on the opposite side of what of what uh, True Lies did is uh, is The Rock which is one of my favourite films, Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and a bunch of terrorists. But because they're fucking... Americans. Americans. Paramilitary. White Ameri- they're not terrorists. They're just called, like, this rogue group. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, it, yeah. When you look at that, it is fascinating. But, but, how- private, but private military that operates effectively, very effectively in the Middle East, they're just terrorists. Mm. Because they don't, they don't belong there. What no, they not only do they don't belong there, since 1994, the ratio of uh, private military contracts, which, which are basically... Uh, soldiers of fortune or mercenaries. Mm. The ratio uh, to, to US or to coalition forces was three to one. Now it's one to one in the reconstruction of that of the region. And right. not only that, if you're a private military contractor, you probably get paid ten times what an average soldier does. And they are not held to the Geneva Convention. No. Terrorists. So they can do what the yeah they could, they're terrorists. And so I can't remember what the film is. I think it's the Michael Moore film when they basically. Oh, well, I started reading the book Blackwater. Which is about like this big terrorist group called Blackwater. And f- I'm sorry, but that means oil, mm. first of all. So they're called, I mean, it's like, it's you're trying to find Blackwater. Right? In the de- it's taking a <laughs> piss. The they've changed the name now, but it's called Blackwater. And basically, yeah, I think well, somebody ended up, they ended up like having to like string this guy up because they was like killing innocent civilians. And That's stuff why like I found 24 so interesting. I mean, like a lot mm. of it was clumsy. But a lot of the time you had like, in the first five episodes, like, yeah, some Islamic terrorists, blah, blah, blah. But then behind it all would be like this shadowy American organization that is actually the real terrorists. Well, I, always, I always liked it for that. But that's what I'm saying. It's very hard to define who the enemies are. Although saying that, Howard, like going back to who you said, Howard, me, going back to a media suggestion, mm. like I feel like someone, a show like 24 made us all kind of okay with waterboarding, which used to oh be- Oh my God. Matt, that, that's to, like oh torture is illegal on the Geneva Convention, isn't it? And then oh everyone's God. like watching like, like- But yeah, you got to find the information. You got to find the information. Someone's like, okay, then find out. You watch that show going, yeah, fucking get it out of here. We've sadly run out of time, but as I said, this is part one of Tez on the Question Everything podcast. We're going to get Tez back in 2020 for another one, if that's cool, Tez. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to run out of time. We can go so much further into all of this stuff, and we're going to, you know, we'll come back to True Lies. As well. True Lies is a, is, a, is a weird I mean Jamie Lee Curtis was pretty cool in that film shout yes, out Jamie Lee correct she was in her 40s at that point which was quite impressive. that's what I mean and I think, um, but we, we but te- Jesus thanks for coming on the show Tez I know you've got a gig to get to thank you so much Tez uh, thank you for having me uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, gay ladies and lesbian if you've enjoyed what you heard of Tez then check out his content online uh, if, if you can catch a run of the Tez O'Clock show you'll enjoy that as well um, but in the meantime you are going back on tour tell us where we can find you Tez I am so I'm on tour next Autumn, which seems like a little while away now. Uh, but you'll but be uh, popping up all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I'll be popping up all over the place. I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as well. But if you want to just know what I'm up to, tezilias.com, my name.com. Uh, sign up to my mailing list and my tour dates are also on there. Uh, so that's probably the first port of call. And also listen to my podcast, Tez Talks, once you've finished listening to all the episodes of this. Beautiful. I'm excited to get Tez. This will be the first time we've ever claimed. I was thinking if we did a 100th episode, we should get Kay Curd back because he was the first one. Yeah, definitely. But I've, Tez I've, has to come back. Tez, can you do me one favour before you go? You would have to do it right now, but like, can you think of a way, that we, like a, a, a pun with your name, to describe that we're going to do this in two parts? Ooh. Ooh. He's, he does have a gig to get. I, I will. <laughs> so, come think about it on a drive. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, do that on yeah, Twitter. yeah, yeah. We'll do that on Twitter. But uh, uh, before that... Yeah. Um, Thank you very much and salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Shalom. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, I forgot my one. <laughs> You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. 
For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at DaneBapTweets. Our guest was Tezil Yaz. You can follow Tez on Twitter at Tezil Yaz. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Hey, if you like what you've been listening to, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.